Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others, here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. Now, tonight we are doing another Supernatural Health segment. It's going to be great, and it's all about medical Reiki and how medical Reiki is really breaking through into traditional health care. So I know you can't wait to hear from our guests, but first, PK, how you doing? Doing fine. It's dry today, no rain today. How wonderful, although we love the rain. But it's a dry (laughs) day. I just don't know how to handle it. (laughs) Uh, Really? I know it. Dry in Tucson. and It's been flooding there. It's been crazy, absolutely crazy. It's start raining again in a day or two, but that's all right. We certainly could use it. And the poor cactus, I think they're out there dancing. (laughs) They've been so lack of water. My God, the poor things. Oh, no. Well, they'll be happy then when the rain comes again. So what do you have for us tonight? I hear you prepared something special for everybody. Well, I was taking a look at, you know, the two things that are the most important are our destiny number and our birth date. So I thought I'd give people an opportunity to take a look at what their destiny number is. And the destiny number is very simple. It's found by adding all the numbers of your birth date together, reduce them to a single digit. So if your birthday was June 21st, 1963, the 6 plus the 21 equal a 27.9, and the 1963 would end up being a 46.1. So your destiny number would be a 1. Now, okay. the nice part about this, it gives us so much to look at because a 1 destiny number, they're here to be a leader. Do they're the, To show examples, if your destiny number is a 2, You're here to be a partner and a peacemaker. If you have a destiny number three, you're a communicator and creator. And if it's a four, it's to be a builder and a detail person. And if it becomes a five, it's to create change. And that's what this year has been all about, by the way. If it's a six, it's to be mindful of friends and family and trying to make things perfect. If it's a seven, it's to be the teacher and the spiritual side. And if it's an eight, it's the one in charge. And if it's a nine, it's to take care of others, humanity at large. So that's how we take a look at those. So every number in our name, birthday, etc., has an effect on us. So our destiny number is the most important thing, I think. And then, of course, the achievement number, that's the month and day of birth added together. So... You can find out so much about yourself simply by looking at those numbers. And if you have any questions, send me an email. I'll be happy to answer it for you. 
We've got a lot of nice things taking place if we just use what we have available. I mean, these numbers have been with us since the beginning of time in one form or another, whether they were using stones as the number, the glyph, whatever, but we have everything to gain by what's going on. So as I mentioned a few minutes ago, the universal year is a five. It's all about change. So if your destiny number is a five, you're here to help create the change. Everything pulls together. No shortcuts. Well, that's interesting. So, again, if you'd like to contact PK and you have a question for her, you can find her on the Supernatural Girls website and also on her own website, which is patriciakirkman.com. And she also does numerology readings for people over the phone or by Skype, so you can reach out to her if you want to know even more about Beyond Your Destiny number because there's a lot to this. So that's... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And please, everybody, make sure you go to our Facebook page. Give us a like and a follow. We've got great stories there, more UFO stories than ever before. I don't know why, Uh, but all of a sudden. They're coming from every direction right now, aren't they? They really are. I mean, people are sending me all kinds of things. In fact, our dear friend Bob Lucas sent me a video clip of Jaws, and in this one clip, you can clearly see a UFO in the background. You're kidding. No, so I'm going to post that on our Facebook page so that everybody can see it. It's clear as a bell. It's a UFO. Isn't that something? Yeah, and I don't, we were talking about, how did we miss this? Well, I missed it anyways. Bob didn't miss it, but I did. did. You know it was there? No, I hadn't seen it at all. Well, well you know, you that's the nice thing about people that pay attention to what we do. When we miss something, they catch us up. Oh, God, yes. And sometimes that's what we need. And, by the way, everybody has been writing in about our last week's show with Lon Milo Duquette and how fantastic it was. Oh. Wasn't this great? It was fun. That was a fun show. He's an absolute doll. I just love his attitude and how upbeat he is. and He's just very charming. And, and so funny. And anyways, he was on last week talking about the power of invocation, and he also shared some very personal stories. And, oh, my God, they had us laughing, and it will have you laughing too. So if you haven't heard that show, you can find that on our Blog Talk radio page. And eventually you'll also find it on our YouTube page. We're trying to get caught up with the shows that we have. We have so many shows to load onto our YouTube page. Make sure you follow us there too. That way you'll know when we're caught up. And I've also got an interview I'm posting that was a video interview with Augie Nost, and that was a couple of weeks ago. So I'll be posting that for everybody to watch as well. So tonight, oh, my goodness, one of our favorite topics, which is this new emerging medicine. So our guest is Raven Keys. Now, Raven I'm going to list these initials, and Raven's going to tell us what they mean. RMT, CRMT. She is an internationally recognized Reiki master teacher who has worked with surgeons and other health professionals for many years. She is the author of the award-winning book, The Healing Power of Reiki, and the founder of Raven Keys Medical Reiki International. 
Now, this is quite an honor. Raven was also named Best Reiki Master in New York by New York Magazine. So we've got a star with us tonight. This is amazing. Right, we do. So, <laughs> so Raven, welcome to the show. Thank you. I am really excited to be with the the supernatural girls. It's a really <laughs> good thing for me. I'm so happy. Well, we're happy to have you because you have a very important topic to share with our audience tonight. So, first of all, tell us a little bit about how you got involved with Reiki and healing. Um, I was an actor, and that's how I was earning my living for quite a few years. And then I had a private yoga teacher, and um, she came to my apartment one day, and um, she she had just um, studied Reiki, and so she said to me, "Um, you know what, you're too tired to do yoga today. You lie down on your mat. And she was directing my husband in yoga poses. So basically, she was only had her hands on the bottom of my feet and was paying no attention to me whatsoever. She was really paying attention to my husband. Move this way, no that way, just da 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 da. But uh, meanwhile, I was having the most amazing experience, like going to a bliss state. And I thought to myself, I really just want to know how to do this. I want to be able to give this to people. I just it just like went off in me that I needed to do it. So I trained up and I became a Reiki master and then I got a job right away. It was like 1995 and people didn't even know about Reiki, but somehow I was like, my feet were put on this destiny and who knew? Like I just said, okay, I'll take the job. And I started working on giving Reiki and Equinox Fitness, um, which is a big company here in New York and really actually a international now but it was at the beginning of the company so anyway they had a PR department people were coming um, from magazines and getting Reiki and so on and so on and so words started getting out in in the national magazines um, clutch of of those kinds of um, publications and so one thing led to another and then Equinox felt well I was very spiritual because they Really, people didn't actually know what I was doing, but it felt like it was a really good thing. So they asked me if I would teach meditation. So I said, yes, I would. So it was through a meditation class that I ended up meeting a woman who ended up needing open-heart surgery, and she asked me if I would go to um, her surgery with uh, Mehmet Oz, Dr. Oz, who's on TV every day. He was the premier heart surgeon in the whole United States at the time. And I said, no, I was absolutely terrified when she asked me. I said, oh, no, I could never do that. First of all, I'll faint. I know I will. I hate the sight of blood. I'm screamish. There's no way. And then what? And I'm going to stand next to a icon in the medicine? I'm sorry. I'm not going to, I can't do it. But then, you know, I was giving her a Reiki session to get her ready. And she was going to interview Dr. Oz the next day. She was interviewing surgeons. And she had already um, interviewed David Letterman's surgeon, blah, blah, blah. So now, um, so during, as soon as she got on the table and was asleep, Archangel Gabriel came to me. And he's my main spiritual guide since all of this started. And so um, Gabriel came and said to me, you need to say yes. There's a lot that needs to happen from this. You have to tell Susanna yes and give her your resume. Well, I thought that was hilarious because I had just written my um, 
resume the day before. But it's like, you know, if you are listening, the angels will tell you what to do if you're really hooked up. So I, I had written my resume not realizing I was going to need it the next day. And then um, the next day I went to teach my meditation class. And because it's New York, I have all kinds of clients here from every walk of life. And so one was an anesthesia doctor. So after class, I said to him, you know, um, I have a client. She wants me to go to open heart surgery. I'm terrified, but I, I, he said, no, don't worry about it. It's not going to happen because it's not done. And so not five minutes later, the phone rang, and it was Suzanne, and she was like, Dr. Oz said yes, all he wanted was your resume. And it was like, I had it in my pocketbook. So, you know, it was like that's where it all started. Wow. That is some kind of synergy, Raven. Oh, my goodness. Yes. (laughs) So how was it when you you actually, the next day, when it was the next day that you actually went into the surgical suite with your client? No, um, she... She got you know, She went to see him to interview him the day after we had the session, and then um, so we, I went into surgery like the next week. Like I had a week to get ready. It was like, but I got Reiki. I you know, and I actually in the Reiki session that I got to get ready myself to go into this extraordinary experience that absolutely terrified me. But I had to go for Susanna. She said she couldn't do it without me, and I really loved her. And so um, when I was on the on the table and I had one of my own students giving me Reiki, Archangel Gabriel came and he put a sword down next to me, and he said, I'm going to be with you in the operating room. Don't you ever doubt it for one second. I'll be with you, and I'm bringing legions of angels with me. So don't worry. I'm, you're not going to be alone. And I'll tell you what, that has been the story since the beginning of this the angels come and i train other reiki masters and how to um, go into surgery um and and the very first thing that we do in um the training is i lead a meditation i never know what's going to happen in the meditation because the angels want to meet the people in different locations but we, the very first thing is they meet an angel that's going to be their assistant, their medical Reiki assistant, because when you go in the operating room, you are on your own if you're the Reiki person. Nobody's going to pay attention to you. You have to handle everything yourself, and some of it is terrifying and can be so disturbing. So you need to have a, an assistant that's a, an angel, and that's all there is to it. So that's tremendous. Yeah, what, so lead us through, walk us through what happened during this open-heart surgery. I mean, where did they position you in the room, and did you get to have a hands-on contact with your client throughout the surgery? How did this happen? Well, it's pretty intense what goes on in an operating room, and for me the first time to go to open-heart surgery was really a big deal. But one thing, the, the operating room is colder than any other, you know, the Operating rooms are cold, but in open-heart surgery, transplant surgery, the room is even colder. And so it's freezing. It's bright in there. The lights are really, really bright. And um, for me, the first time, it was like, here's somebody that I really love. She's called the patient in my presence, Um, you know. So for me, it's like I'm already having, like, uh, all this reaction to the fact that she's called the patient. Because, and then I, well, now I realize it's because, 
surgery goes on time after time after time. Nobody has the heart space or the um, mental space to really get involved with the patient. You know, it's like they have a job to do. They have to do it. They have to do it as fast as, as they possibly can and still do it completely perfectly. Their focus is on other things, not the patient. Do you understand right. what I'm saying? So, well, yeah, they, so they, they're doing person, the mechanics of it, right? Yes, they are. And, and, it, and it's, it can be disturbing. So what I do is I train people in what, is, what they're going to see and what, what they need to do and who way to stay out of and, um, and so on and what the hierarchy is in the operating room and, because I was trained on the job. And um, so anyway, here I am. I go in. They're, like, really shocked that I'm there. All the doctors are looking at me, like, at the corner of their eyes. They don't know what to make of all this. And I, and I, I thought, oh, I, I think I am going to faint because, you know, um, for open-heart surgery, they have to um, have the patient go on bypass. So, that you know, the heart-lung machine. That means that they have to um, put these tubes in, and uh, after a while they shut the heart down and all the blood starts running outside the body. It's, like, really intimidating for me the first time. I thought, anyway, so how does this get set up that this is all going to happen? There's this huge machinery thing that's taken up a whole big part of the operating room, and behind it are these technicians, and they are the ones who are going to operate this heart-lung machine. So when they're getting the patient ready for this, they make um, magic marker uh, markings on the body, and then they jam these, like, things in because the person is unconscious, right? So they're already yeah. intubated. And, but it's like, for me, it was like, that's it. I think I, I had to turn away and face the wall and just p- pray to Gabriel that I would be able to do this, you know. Yeah. And we're not even started yet, you know what I'm saying? Like, this yeah. is the beginning. And so um, so then uh, one thing led to another, and I had met the anesthesia doctor before the surgery, so then he's calling my name. Like, I was shaking like a leaf. And then, you know, he called me to um, the head of the table, and I was instructed to sit down on this stool. Um, and so what happened, and what happens is that um, I put my hands on the top of her head, and started channeling Reiki right then and there. So it was pretty extraordinary. And um, I learned a lot, not just about how incredible it was for Susanna, the patient, and how how she was really being tended to by angels during the whole thing, and that she was healing even while they were cutting and doing things, like because that's what Reiki does. It's a universal life force energy that it's the... It's life. People call it a lot by a lot of names, God, God, a source for us, all that is, whatever you want to call it, universe. It's what makes everything alive. It's divinity, and divinity understands, well, it is perfection. So all the cells remember, like it's like doing like a remembering, um, restoration of truth. And so, um, yeah, so... Anyway, the surgery went really well. There's a lot of details that I tell about this in much more detail in my my latest book, which is Medical Reiki, 
a groundbreaking approach to using energy medicine for challenging challenging treatments. It just came out in May, and it's like really changing a lot of things, and doctors are getting in touch with me. A lot of things are going on because of this book. And um, anyway, a lot more about the surgery is in there, yeah, about the first time. But what I found out is that when I'm in the Reiki zone, like doing that, I'm not going to faint because your own, your own energy, like with Reiki, I don't know if you know anything about it, but you are um, the conduit for this universal energy or this divinity, and it fills you first, and then it comes out your hands. Um, it's pretty amazing. It's so made for medicine because we don't need any equipment. We don't move around. The energy is intelligent light from the universe, and it knows what to do. So we don't have to, you know, we just stay wherever we have to be, depending on the surgery. And the the divinity, the divine light that's coming through us takes care of the rest. It just does it. Well, that's your book tremendous. is absolutely lovely. Yeah, it covers so much territory. I'm a Reiki master, but I have not used it very much in the last few years. But... In the beginning, when I first started with I did a lot more. I, I'm just fascinated by your book because it certainly gears up the thought of getting back into it more than I have allowed myself to these last few years. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just the most compassionate thing that I, I feel so humbled by the fact that I was given this destiny or, or, or whatever it is that ha- ended up happening with me. Because in the end, it's like, we doctors deserve, after all they go through, I have so much compassion for them. I really do. I understand about the medical industry and what they're, you know, what they can and cannot do is, is, can be pretty devastating to somebody who went into medicine because they wanted to be a healer and then find out, you know, I can only do this, I can only do that. I can't use my instincts or my, my, my compassion. I have to shut it down. Mm-hmm. I mean, doctors need to get medical Reiki as much as the patients do so that they can release some of the stuff that they have to hold on to. It's really really a lot. But anyway, yes, I really encourage you to um, take up your practice again because what are we doing? We're delivering compassion in a world that seems to be devoid of it. And in in the, you know, yes. We know <laughs> that's true. So amazing when you take a look at the different aspects that can be used and how it enhances everything that we're doing. We're, we don't do anything alone, that's for sure. Uh, no. And then because Reiki, what does it do? It's the first thing that it does is that it activates the parasympathetic nervous system. That means that certain chemicals are released from the brain that are rest and restore, which is the opposite of stress. You know, if there's nobody there to look after the patient, they have to walk into this room by themselves, all these sharp objects, people, nobody's familiar to them. They don't feel that they have a friend in the world with them, you know, and it's terrifying. And so, of course, they go into the stress. Fight or flight um, hormones are being released. The body cannot heal when those hormones are running through it. However, Reiki immediately activates the opposite so the the cells are primed 
to receive the treatment that the doctors are giving. You know, it can, it understands how to heal. It remembers how to heal again. And the fact of the matter is there's so much stress in daily life with all the bad news, 24-hour cycles of, of news, all the, all the violence we see all around us, it's, it's terrible. So, um, you know, I have uh, therapists in my, my world because with all of us, we have, we have people we can recommend, whether it's a shaman to do some kind of soul retrieval or somebody to do talk therapy or a, a, a doctor. We have lists of people. So I know therapists, and they are telling me that right now, at least here in the city of New York, the stress level just when you wake up in the morning is way above your head. It's because we've built up to this now with all the COVID and all the things that are going on. And then, um, and then it's, it spikes from there, depending on what happens to you today or what kind of thing you think or what kind of news you watch. It, it's like a spiking from the highest level that it could be over your head. It's already, you know. So yeah. our bodies are breaking down in, the, in this stress. People are sick. They're de- so many people are ill. And, um, you know, the doctors that I work with all know and have, you know, spoken about how stress is the number one cause of disease, this hyphen ease. Yes. That's for stress. sure. It is. There's no question about it. It leads to inflammation. Inflammation leads to just about every horrible thing. So, yes. But I've got a question. Just to go back to the surgery, I'm so intrigued. That's a long surgery, isn't it, for for an open-heart surgery patient? That's, what, eight hours or something? Well, that's another thing. Like the um, surgery time gets cut down. Don't ask me how or why, but that's what happens. This surgery was, like, I don't know how long it was supposed to be, but I think it was five hours maybe. Wow. Uh, maybe six, I don't know. It was uh, like it was my first time. I didn't know what to expect. It was it was really amazing. But um, some of the surgeries have been pretty long. And then the, the way things are right now is um, I go to the hospital. We haven't been able to go at all during COVID, you know, all, with all the restrictions. But were I to go and all the times that I did go, you know, it could be that you meet the patient at 7 o'clock in the morning and then because everything gets backed up in the operating rooms and there's this, that, and the other, anything can happen. So you, I've been in operating rooms at 10 o'clock at night with, a, with somebody who was, you know, and I got there at like 9 o'clock in the morning or maybe even earlier. You know, it's oh just like goodness. you never know. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's not all in the operating room. Yeah. I mean, there's pre-op, and then there's the operating room, and then there's post-op. So, yeah. And so you stay That's through all of that. That's why it so long. So you stay and yes. you treat them through everything, every, all steps of the way. Wow. So that puts in yes. just a lot of hours for you. So you put in a really long day with that. Yeah. Well, sometimes, yes, indeed. And, um, yes. And in today's world right now, this is all um, this is all a big breakthrough at the moment. Uh, Dr. Selden Mark Feldman, who is he's a revered, internationally revered breast cancer surgeon, who goes all over the place. He's keynote speaker. He's teaching people things. You know, he's uh, and 
he um, wrote the foreword for my book, and he he really loves Reiki to the point where um, we're working now. He he was the one who advised me to start start a company, by the way, to um, oh. hold all these gold standards and best practices that I created based on my own notes over all these years. Um, because the Archangel Gabriel came to me when my husband was dying and told me then that I needed to train all the, as many Reiki masters as I could in um, how, to, how to go into surgery because it needs to happen. Another needs to happen. It's the second time that I've heard this where all these things now have happened um, just by following the yellow brick road that was laid out before my feet. But Dr. Feldman, because he is, so into Reiki. I'm the only Reiki master on this planet who has been blessed with the opportunity to take care of a breast surgeon, um, uh, uh, any surgeon, any surgeon. There's nobody else who's done this, um, who sent his patients to me sometimes from the moment they were diagnosed with cancer. And they were so freaked out, they didn't know what to do. He'd say, get in touch with Raven. So people came to me, they didn't even know what I did. They just came to me because they were scared and everything else. And the doctor get, said, here, call this person. And you know what? I, I'm the only one who's ever taken care of patients from the moment they were diagnosed with a serious disease all the way to the end of their treatment. That's fabulous. Yeah, yeah that's remarkable. Yeah. So I would imagine, what about yeah. with cancer patients? Um, the same thing? You walk them through all of their chemo? You give them Reiki treatment throughout? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've done that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Raven, yes. what about with COVID? Is, is there a way of working with people that are dealing with that right now? Yes, actually. Um, I have a very specific um, distance Reiki uh, process that I was taught by the Reiki master who trained me that a lot of people don't know anything about. And the thing about it is so it's amazingly powerful. I, the way that I was trained, and I teach all the people that come to my, uh, my trainings to do this, it's a process that you do remotely. And, it, and I started using it massively way before covid but for women because i became like my whole thing for like more than 10 years has been working with this breast cancer surgeon and his his patients so so the way i would use this was to clear blood clean blood so that they um because the thing is um you know oh well it could be said told okay you're done with your chemotherapy depending on what the situation is now you're going to get your surgery next wednesday or thursday or tuesday whatever the day is and um so all these things go into high gear now grandma's coming from california the um the all these mothers are lined up to take the children this is new york to the piano lessons to dance lessons da 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 food's coming in blah 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 all this stuff has to happen on top of everything else like getting ready for surgery you know what i'm saying like so yeah. now it's Friday. In order to get a, a surgery, you have to get all these tests. Okay, the, the chest X-ray and the EKG and all these things. That, and you have to get your blood tested. Okay, now it's Friday. Surgery scheduled for next week. And now on Friday, the, um, the doctor's office calls and says, 
I'm sorry, but your, your blood isn't good enough. You can't get surgery next week. Do you know what kind of a meltdown that creates? In the, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. And in my case, and for all the patients I ever worked with, I said, don't worry, we're going to do this thing. We're going to clean your blood because they always tell you, the woman's crying on the phone, they say, well, you can come back on, on Monday and we'll see if you can get um, surgery on Tuesday or whatever the day is. It's never failed that they got their surgery because this works so powerfully. Answering the original question that you asked me about COVID, there are ways that we work. Now, the, the, what I just told you that I would normally do um, to clean the blood, if somebody's going to surgery and they're a client, we do that very same thing because it does a lot more than clean blood, but it's just, like, amazing that it does that. Um, and so we would do that the night before surgery. And then on the day of surgery, we have a certain thing that we would do. We might give them a, a, Reiki, a remote Reiki session maybe if there's enough time while they're in pre-op. But it takes a little bit of organizing with the um, whoever's with the person. They have to keep us in the loop and um, notify us as to what, what's what. I had a situation la- a couple weeks ago where I – I was. I found out. I was on vacation. I was in Wales with my boyfriend, and we were. Um, it was Monday morning, and we were leaving later in the day. I got a call that a client of mine, now unexpectedly, was on the way to surgery to get a lung transplant. I was oh my beside God. myself. Everything I would normally do was out the window right now. Everything I would normally do to get somebody ready for surgery was now not able to happen. And so I sat there with that symbol that I'm talking about that does all this magical work, and I was just like praying, Gabriel, what am I supposed to do? What do I do? And I was told what to do, and I was shot into the operating room. I can't even explain to you what happened. It was so amazing, and I used this procedure that I was taught in another situation. And this only just happened a few weeks ago, and I used it again, and I was shot into the um, the place where these procedures were happening, and um, I can't even I can't even describe in words what's been going on with the the these um, remote healings. And not only that, during COVID, um, all the, the medical people who have been just wrung out to the max um, have been able to get remote Reiki healings um, because uh, I was really blessed. A, a woman came here from Sligo, Ireland, and she learned medical Reiki, and she was so excited about it that she worked with me to start a division of my company in Ireland. So now I have Medical Reiki Ireland, imagine that. And, um, and so she put together a program. It's called the Reiki Buddy Program. And this, she did this when, when things were really raging all over the world, and especially in New York. And so there are all these um, Reiki practitioners from all over the world who are volunteers on one end of this, and on the other end are medical people who are crashing and burning with stress and grief and everything else who are able to make appointments using her website so that they can get a free 30-minute Reiki session. And it doesn't matter where they are. Like are you, you're in New York, and you, but the, 
the person that matches the time that you want to make the session for is in, I don't know, Belgium, Ireland, England, uh, anywhere, because it makes the connection between the time. It jumps time zones. Wow. That's, That's great. So there's no limitation here. Time space doesn't really hinder anything when you're working with this this whole medical Reiki system. Let me ask you another question. You mentioned about that your husband was dying, and um, does Reiki help with the passing process? I mean, it's your time, you go, you know. So um, does it help with that also to make it more peaceful, less painful? Yes, it does. Yes, mm-hmm. it does. Um, we have people that are medical Reiki masters who um, that's what they do. They work in hospice, and it definitely makes a huge difference, huge. And, you know, um, in that case, you can really help the family um, and so on. And also, you know, um, I, I don't, like a lot of, the, one of my, the person that I trained, well, really second, the first person that I ever trained to um to go in the operating room was actually my son, who's a really powerful Reiki master. And I was going to have a surgery that was going to be 14 hours long in the operating room. And I knew that I couldn't do it. So I trained him up and we sort of like did a tag team thing. I did the first and part of it and he did the second part of the surgery. And so, but the second person that I trained was Lisa Wolfson and she came to my surgery. I lost my kidney from being at ground zero all the poison went into my kidney and crashed it. So, you know, I had oh, no. to get my kidney out. Yeah. And she came with me. So um, that's how it all started with um, medical Reiki. But then Lisa is an end-of-life doula trainer. And so a lot of people that are, are, are medical Reiki masters are end-of-life doulas. And all of us, for the most part, are um, are clergy and, and integrate, you know, um, non-denominational um, churches, you know, people that, yeah, and that have healing as the tenant of, of their, you know, church. So it's, it's like going back to what it, what it really means in the operating room. I've never been in the operating room and somebody passed. But I'll tell you what, if that happens, we know what to do. We've already, everybody's connected to their angel assistant. They're talking to angel. That's what we're doing. We're like the spiritual force in the room. That's what we're doing. We're activating all the spirits in the whole room. And so the guardian angels, everybody has a guardian angel, whether they believe it or not or want to know about it or not. It is the case. And I was talking about the second um, time I was shot into the operating room using this procedure that Gabriel taught me. Well, what I was doing in there, one of the things I was doing was like, I was told, take my finger and touch the tops of all these angels. And it was almost like I was like, like lighting candles. All the thing is, they were already Mm -hmm. lit. You know what I mean? It was like making Mm -hmm. connections. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I think I just go all over the place because I have no, so much information, no, you're so not. many well, things I want to say. No, you're, we're enjoying you're this. Very, you're very Hello, informative. Dear. and, and yeah, Great job. You've, you've, you've got some amazing experiences to share with us. I mean, let's face it, years ago, 
we probably never thought this would be something that would happen, that a medical Reiki practitioner would be in a surgical suite. I mean, who who would know that, that this is even possible? But here it is happening today, and you're able to train other people to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a wonderful marriage between traditional and alternative medicine, and it's so needed. It really is. And you know what? It is needed. It really mm-hmm. is needed. If you could see what goes on in an operating room in a day like when there's so much really near miraculous things that can be done by surgeons, they are like really something. And they think on their feet and they know what to do. If something happens, they have to change their plan. But guess what? If if the patient dies, they take it really hard. They really do. And the thing is, if if we're there, if a, a medical Reiki master is there, everything is different. Because we're already t- talking to the angels. We will, I know, I've never been there when somebody passed, but I already know that we will be notified that it's time. And we will mm-hmm. be told a lot of things that we can then tell the surgeon so that they don't take it so hard. And then we can get in a perfect world, then we could um, give a medical Reiki to the surgeons right then and now, there so they could get you, it out of their system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's going to be better for the next patient. Now, do you also do anything with in-office procedures that aren't as involved? I mean, do people want yes. you to come for certain procedures? Tell us about that. Well, a lot of chemo, lots of chemotherapy oh, stuff. okay. And, um, yeah, and, well, you see, I have people that are doing all kinds of things because I have trained people now who are all over the world. And even though I've trained these people, we need so many more people available to do this work. And once the dam breaks, it's going to be, everybody's going to want it because um, just, you know, right now, Dr. Feldman was telling me, because we're doing a research project now, the National Institute of Health, will not give um, research dollars to Reiki because the, re- the research that has been done is not good enough for them to put open their coffers of all the, all the money that they have to fund research because they're not sure that the money is going to go to good use because they don't know that it's going to really work. The research isn't going to bring back the results that they would expect to happen if well, they're going to fund Well, don't you find, though, I mean, truly, Raven, I mean, the NIH funds uh, research organizations and scientists that are going to produce drugs. I mean, they really don't get involved in anything but pharmaceutical industry. I know that I used to have a client years ago, and they had invented a machine that was based on phased array technology, microwave technology, because they discovered something that the Egyptians also knew thousands of years ago, that high heat kills cancer. So mm-hmm. they were able to treat breast cancer patients with this machine. I interviewed them, and they said the only thing they felt was high heat, and then the tumor was taken out, and it was completely dead. So it worked. And let me tell you yeah. what, as a public relations person, I had to work overtime 
to get anybody to say one word about this technology because let's face it you got to follow the money who's paying for those advertisements on television it's the pharmaceutical companies so it, they don't like to give money in the direction of reiki they don't like to give money in the direction of uh high heat killing cancer and curing cancer um, they just don't like to do that. It's all about the money, unfortunately. But luckily, people are conscious enough to know that they need something else so they can turn to you Yes, and your students. Well, yes, but we have to be allowed in. You know what I'm saying? Like there has yeah, to be. Yeah, that's the trick. We're, we're standing right at a doorway right now, and the thing has to be blasted open. And that's what – so – Dr. Feldman is so revered, and the whole research team that he has together are like rock stars. And so I'm like training the Reiki people, even though this is my thing. I I don't think I could like even do it, do any of the work because it's you know I'm the founder. I there would be a bias within me, lot you know whatever whatever. So um, mm-hmm. I have other people, and um, so. The reason that that this is all happening and all of this has been funded privately by a lot of them, Reiki practice, most of, mostly by Reiki practitioners from around the world. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, research is expensive: ten dollars, five dollars, fifty dollars, twenty-five dollars, five hundred dollars, a hundred dollars. Little by little by little by little, it took a while to get this money together. I'll tell you, but we've got it, and we're ready to start. And we were ready to start, and then COVID came. But everything happens for a reason. But anyway, Dr. Feldman is doing this so that there will be the kind of proof that will open the coffers to the NIH. They'll have to do it, the, the oh, thought form behind it. That would be it. wonderful. That would be absolutely yeah. wonderful. So, But you do have a lot of doctors who are open to this, obviously. And with Dr. Oz starting this off, somebody so well-known as a heart surgeon, I would think that doctors would pay attention to that, do they? Well, you know, I'm just doing, like, I have to say yes. The the, um, big answer is yes. But the thing is that right now I am totally involved in just getting the word out about this. Here we are. You know, it's like this is getting the word out into the world. I have, like, my people out there, they're the ones that are taking um, the re- the papers that they get, the support papers that they get when they take the training and all their training and everything else, their credential, they have a certificate, they have all this stuff that they, you know, are, are, are signed up to do and a protocol and all this stuff, and they're out there doing the work. You know, me right now, I have all this other stuff that I have to do. So mm-hmm. I'm not actually, my feet are not, you know, I'm not boots on the ground anymore like I used to right. be. And you know what? It really, it, it's, I miss it. Working with people who are jammed up, their back is against the wall, and they are so scared, and they are so frantic. And the fact, oh, my God, I just had the most amazing experiences working with people. And I miss it a lot. And it's like, I, uh, you know, but this is what I have to do now. There's nobody else to do it. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. even today, um, I, 
like I, I have to write, I have to do, I have to explain, I have to speak, I have to do something other than be the boots on the ground. But the big, the big answer is yes. And then Dr. Feldman, you know, he's a professor at Einstein College of Medicine, um, a surgical professor, and he was telling me the other, like about a month ago we had a conversation, um, and he said that, um, well, we have to have a, um, a sham arm of the study, which means that, you know, the, there's somebody there that's not, they, they're, they look like they're giving Reiki, but it's not really Reiki. And so always this has been a part of the conversation. And so you're like, oh, well, you know, maybe the medical students can do it. This is like, this is out of my hands. This is up to them, the research team. But he was telling me that the the medical students that are coming to medical school now are all really open to integrative medicine. They want to know all about it. They believe in it. So the big big, um, struggle is to find... um, whoever they're going to be that's going to be the sham, give the sham Reiki, to find people that don't believe in anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Right. Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, so let's see. Do you, when you work on, when you used to work on people, when you wore boots on the ground, did you find that there were certain energy blocks that you encountered with certain types of diseases? For example, chronic illness, autoimmune disease, that's one category. Cancer, that's another category. Did you find any similarities there with energy blockages? You know something? For me, every person is so unique. And in my training to be a Reiki master, I, you know, Mikhail Yusui, I had this, um, this particular paperwork that was from him, from back in the day and passed down from Japan and ended up in my hands. And one of the things that he said was that you don't need to know anything about anatomy or disease to be a fabulous Reiki master. And as a matter of fact, if you're thinking about certain things, because of the fact that we are, we are creators, we're not taught this really by society or by religion for the most part or anything, but we are creators of reality. We're, our thoughts and our emotions create actual results. And so my jo- what I have tried to do since the beginning is to just be an open channel. I'm not looking around. If angels tell me something during a session that, that X, Y, or Z, I will ask them, do I need to say this to the person or do I keep it to myself? And then mm-hmm. I act accordingly. But I'm not, I'm, I cannot say that I know anything about the question that you just asked me because I'm not investigating that way. There are, are medical intuitives, and that's what they do. They find out what's going on, you know, inside a body. They can see disease and what needs to happen. That's not my um, arena. I'm strictly a channel. I'm strictly a conduit of this energy. And I, all I do is I sit there and I ask to be the hollow bone. I ask to be the hollow bone. I try to know nothing, uh, if that makes sense to you. Yes, yes. Now, does this healing ability or this channeling ability run in your family? Do you have a lineage of this? 
it's possible, but I'll tell you, I, my grandmother, my father's mother, she was pretty magical in her own right. And she had her sisters. They, something was going on with them. Nobody ever spoke about it, but it was just like they just knew things. And, and it was very lighthearted and no big deal. But I really always felt so happy when I was around them because I felt safe and protected from God only knows what. But um, I... My mother, I know, was psychic, but she was raised Catholic, so that was, an, you know, very, very tricky area for her to wander into. So she didn't ever talk about it, but we all knew that she was because she would know what was going to happen and stuff like that and have these dreams and everything else. But it was like not not a cat it wasn't very good for a catholic thing but i tell you what i really do believe because of my own experiences um with my own healing and and um do, and really being committed to ancestral healing because of dr bruce lipton and the uh, um discoveries that all these he and all these scientists have made that we um so many of us uh, have DNA shifts because of, um, it's called epigenetic change, because of trauma that our ancestors have uh, gone through. I, I mean, they can right. measure it. It's like, so, okay, so I, in my one night when I was um, really thinking about my Italian side of, of my my family, my mother's um, family, all of a sudden I know, I just know, I know as, as surely as I'm speaking to you right now, that somewhere in the past, one of my ancestors was definitely burned at the stake because I experienced it. And it was like, it was terrifying to me. And, you know, I think that all this um, persecution of women who are healers is really something that um, gives us pause sometimes. Uh, whether we're aware of it or not, but there can be like a moment of, of being afraid because even if our ancestors were not burned at the stake, it's very likely that one of our ancestors at least witnessed that. And you know what I mean? It's like it, everything affects everything else. And in my I big I think that's belief, fascinating. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that that is true. And it's interesting, we're being forced into a situation now about this vaccine where mothers are really starting to take a, a stand and starting to join together to prevent this forced vaccination on their children. It's so interesting, it's a horrible thing to, to know that's going on, that's even being considered, but at the same time, it's so wonderful to see women coming together to take a stand for the child's health and welfare. So, yeah, I think it, it does take sometimes a lot for us as women to to be to stand up and be seen as healers, caretakers, you know, pioneers along these lines. Yeah. And yeah, you know, you you've made a really excellent point. 
Well, I have a different view about, about the vaccine myself because when I, I couldn't go to school when I was a child unless I had vaccines. And then in my mind, it's like, you know, polio was wiped out, smallpox was wiped out, all these things were wiped out, and it was a celebration. And when I was a child, I'm, I'm probably older than, than you two um, glamour girls, um, supernatural girls. I, um, I, <laughs> oh, we like look, glamour girls, I, too. <laughs> Nobody ever died of too much glamour, my friend Paul used to say. And um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I went to school with kids that ended up with polio, and they had braces. And you know, I know people that had polio when they were a child, and the the, the results is are were forever. I mean, their body is still the same as when they got the polio. And anyway. Um, and then, I don't know, I just know too much. I work with doctors. I know what scientists are like. They, like, all they live for is to end suffering, you know. And um, so I have a different view of it. But what, and the Yeah, we're not anti-vaccine, though, you know, but it's it's taken on a, a life of its own for strange reasons. So, you know, there's there's nothing that I think either PK or I would argue about in terms of the polio vaccine or a few of these others, but there's something more uh, happening that has spurred people, especially women, onto taking a stand in a whole different way, and it's a very powerful stand that's being taken in schools and other situations that I'm just looking at it more as a as an opportunity for women to say what they feel um, despite the backlash. So if you talk about that... Yeah with women who were burned at the stake for healing or for doing for having land or property that somebody else wanted. So Yeah, yeah exactly. There, there's a lot unconscious there and subconscious that I think you're right. It does keep us from speaking out, you know, no matter what the belief is, we we deserve the right yeah. to, to say what we think and feel. So yeah, that's there's something back there. <laughs> This there kept is. us in place, right? In our place. So yeah, but this is exactly. all very exciting stuff that, you know, you're yeah. you're ground you're really leading edge and you're breaking new ground with medical doctors who previously would have looked at this and, you know, just shunned it. Well the thing is, you know, uh, like I I talk to a lot of people and they're like, Oh well, you know, this and that but this cannot be woo-woo. It cannot be. It has to be based on science. And, uh, like, my whole book is about, in the end, I, it is for patients, but it really is for doctors. My book that I just wrote, it really actually is for doctors. For them to be able to see what is going on. Uh, because I feel like after a while you can't see. And there's so much going on in this moment that we're alive. Going back to what we were just saying, we're all, all the healers, even whether you know it or not, we're all being called to do ancestral healing and clear up the DNA of humanity. And I'm even hearing that there are going to be some people that survive all this because the shamans, the scientists, the this, the that, they're all saying we're in the sixth um, extinction mode for the human race but what the angels are saying to me is that there's going to be a transformation in humanity itself and that the whoever survives this is going to be vibrating at a different frequency and there will be kindness there will be 
an understanding that we all have to help each other. There will be community. There will be. And because the human um, reality is being shifted into a higher vibration, oh, my God, it's just like such a huge subject, isn't it? It's, it has a lot of tentacles to it, that's for sure, yes. And I, I think people are, a lot of people are really um, attempting to embrace a higher vibration. Now, I do have some questions from the audience for you. Uh, they want to know what's involved to, to study this. How could they learn this? How long does it take? How much does it cost? I mean, they, would, they have a lot of questions about that. Okay, well, a person has to be a Reiki master that has studied with an actual Reiki master in person because there are people now who are, you know, offering Reiki master um, teacher training for $49. You never see anybody. You get all these videos. You never practice in front of a person. You know, it's like we, those people are not allowed to take the um, training. We're vetting these people so the doctors can relax and let these people into their operating rooms knowing that they're, they're, they're operating at the highest level. I call this an elite team of Reiki masters, the, the okay. certified medical Reiki masters. So to take the training, you have to be that. You go to the website, ravingpeacemedicalreiki.com, there's a form there you can fill out and say you want to take a training. Then my business manager sends out information. And then there are different times that it's happening. Right now everything's on Zoom, so people are picking what time zone works for them. And then, um, and then you, you have to send in your, your Reiki master certificate because um, it's just got to be. And then um, you uh, write, I can't remember, you have to go on the website and see how much it is. It's 700 I think, or 750 to take it. It's like a weekend that is jam-packed full of information. And the whole first day is really academia, except for in the morning when you meet your um, Reiki angel, who is, stays with you for the whole thing. So there's a 63-page manual that comes with all this and, and all these support papers and everything for anybody to bring to doctors, surgeons, give to clients, patients, everything, whatever. And then, um, so, uh, it, so and this, it's very bardic, if you will. The a manual is like a skeleton to the w work, and the real teaching is heart to heart. It's like, this is what happens. This is the story. This is what you need to know. This is how you hold the energy, you know, in the operating room, or this is how you do this, and this is how you do that. It's more like instructional that way, but it's like it's too much to even write down. And you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. and also, it's delivered. Um, the people who are taking the training are the ones that gauge or they um, affect how the information is going to be delivered to them. You know, I, I mean, I've trained doctors, and, you know, of all different ilks, I trained my first surgeon a few months ago, which was really a thrill, a, a surgeon in California. Um, and so if there's, like, a lot of people that are mo more medically minded, um, it would, the tone that I would normally, I just would, you know, be speaking to that audience. But it's a very impassioned training and filled with passion and love. 
and um, belief and understanding and connection to spiritual realities because this is spiritual energy medicine coming into allopathic medicine and it has to happen. It has to happen. How are you supposed to get a, a, a transplant? This is so harrowing. It's just off the charts. It really is. Just off yeah. the charts. It is, and it doesn't stop with the surgery because then people that have had transplants have just years of enormous medication ahead of them also and being yeah. careful with what they're exposed to. I mean, it is a process that goes way beyond the actual surgery. But, yeah, it's mm-hmm. wonderful that you and your, your students um, can can help this process. And is it also possible, because I know a lot about Reiki to to a point, and can you actually reverse conditions so that they don't need the surgery? Well, I would never pro- proclaim that. For one thing, I could be put in jail if I ever said that to anybody. You, there, you, if you're going to work in medicine, you have to be very careful how you go about things. I do believe that in some situations that could happen, but I think mm-hmm. it's rare. And, um, and, and therefore, it's not a good idea to give anybody that kind of hope. You know, it's just not it's not it's not ethical to tell somebody that that's going to happen because you know for sure if somebody gets a surgery whatever it is is going to be taken out but you don't know for sure if you're going to be able to reverse anything i um i do know that um in one of the my whole I, I went on a whole thing about E equals MC squared because the Archangel Gabriel told me, you have to know what this means in relation to healing. Well, it was a really big deal, and I did come up with what it meant. And um, But uh, after that happened, I was um, teaching in Boise, Idaho, and this is before the book was even done. And um, And the angels came, like I was like being taught that um, I was going to be receiving other formulas and the first one that came was I was told that HEAL, the word HEAL was ac- actually an acronym. Is that what you call it? Like FBI, CIA, um, whatever. That it meant HEAL. H equals energy of absolute light. Mm-hmm. H equals energy of absolute light. H equals energy of absolute light. And um, at the end of that meditation, I said to the um, class, I said, I was just taught this, and there was somebody in the in the class that said she had seen a video of these um, Reiki masters in a in a room in Japan, and they were all standing around the the person, and they were chanting heal, 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 and they were watching the tumor disappear on the on the screen. Oh. Yeah, that so, was in China. I know Greg Braden talked about that, and there's a video, and you can actually see the tumor disappearing as they're chanting. And it took place in the hospital. I think it's the hospital without medicine is what it is. They don't do medicine oh. there. They don't do surgery there. This is what they do is all energy healing. And it was quite remarkable because the woman had a tumor in her bladder that was very easy to see. And you just watched it disappear as they, the three of them chanted. So it's remarkable. I have but a it question. Shows how much can be done? Yes. Yes. I have a question. Was the woman Chinese that they were working on? I think so. Do you remember? Yeah. Yes, I because, think she see, was. I think that some. Yeah, 
I think that some cultures have more of a of, um, an intention, like a bias, you know, to be more aware of the fact that energy medicine could work, acupuncture could work, you know what I mean? Like I think they're more attuned to it. So because, I, this is just me like making an assumption really, because they expect it to work, it could work. I don't know about Western people. I think that we are really um, jaded a lot. <laughs> well, you're right. No, I think you're right. People in, in the Western world are, are trained into thinking that something has to be done, you know, something has to be taken out, off, whatever. Um, yeah, we, we have been taught that, that that's the only thing that's going to work. Well, you're right. In, in some of these other Asian cultures, India, we are we have a whole different mindset in in those cultures of what is possible. So it does make yeah. a difference. But I'll tell you what: watching the tumor disappear was life changing. To see something like that happen in front of your very eyes, and and it was an interesting presentation by Greg Braden about it. You can see it on YouTube. It's there. And he does a great job explaining everything of what's going on uh, while it's happening. So, yeah, there, again, there's there's so much because healing is a personal journey. And it isn't one size fits all. It really isn't. Right. You're absolutely right. That is absolutely yeah, so the truth. I'm sure that in your practice, when you were in practice, you also found that to be true. Some people responded right away and some with the same condition other people didn't um you know who's to say why i guess i wanted to say one thing when you say when i was in practice i'm sorry i have to believe and know that i am i'm going to practice you know what i'm saying i can yeah. i must be able to do my work and I, I just had to take this time right now to write this book oh my god it was so much I can't even tell you what it took to write this book. It took me seven years to write it. And I um, I thank my editor at Llewellyn, Angela Wicks. She saved me because I had, you can see that I have all this information. She was the one who gave me a chapter outline to write to. If she didn't give me that chapter outline, I don't know what I would have done. She'd never done, done that before because she um, – was the editor for my previous two books, and um, she had never done that. But this time she understood that I, I needed to have that, so she gave it to me, and thankfully, thankfully. But it was a lot of crying and a lot of tears and a lot of worry and a lot of feeling like I couldn't do it. And I never felt like I couldn't do something in my life, but I thought, this, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. It was so much. And because I knew that I had to write to doctors it's one thing to write to what us you know the healers right like we all mm -hmm. get this we understand the, the, what it is but to like break through this wall you know i mean the, the training of doctors is really some of them only believe that um science is the only thing it's the only thing to follow what can be right. proven yes <clears throat> makes yeah. it difficult. And you even have a chapter in here, what if my medical provider says no? Yeah, what do people do then? Well, it just depends on the situation. Like you can, st like 
if they say no, that they're not going to allow you to have somebody in the operating room. You can still work with a, a medical Reiki master to do remote things, you know, uh, and still assist you. Um, but in the big picture, well, from my point of view, like having somebody in the operating room with you goes way beyond um, being able to receive something um, remotely because there's the whole thing of walking into the operating room by yourself with complete strangers in terror. Yes. That doesn't happen if you have a medical Reiki master with you because you've already, like, connected with that person. You've reassured them. You tell them you're not going to leave them, that you know what you're doing. Feel the energy. Isn't this wonderful? And, like, you just put them in a different headspace altogether and then the heart space, and then the parasympathetic nervous system is activated. All these things are going on that override the terror. I mean, it's not like you can completely eliminate it, but I'll tell you what, they know you're not going anywhere, and they're not going to be alone. And that's a right. very big deal for a patient. So, um, So you could say, okay, fine, I'm going to interview other doctors. In this in this. Um, country you can in the United States in other countries where they have you know a different kind of medicine you just get what you get and that's the end of it but um, yeah uh, so in America well you know who makes the most money for the hospital the surgeons that's right. who the operating rooms that's where all the big bucks are coming from and if people mm-hmm. start saying well I'm gonna I'm gonna just go to somebody else then if you won't let me have this, I'm going to find a doctor that will. And after a while, well, it might not matter, like, if you're going to one person. But if person after person after person after person starts going to a different hospital because they will let them have medical rating, and why shouldn't they? They don't have yeah. to pay us. Right now, insurance doesn't pay for it, so the patient's paying for it. They don't. Ha- we have our own liability insurance. We follow protocol. If they need us to get something, we get it. You know, it's like there's no reason not to do this. Nothing. No right. reason at all. So if, the, you know, so if people start, um, if, if hospitals start losing money because they won't allow this, they'll allow it. That's true. Without <laughs> question. It's about money. It is. It is. That's how it runs. And so, yes. You're right. They start losing patients that aren't paying. Their insurance isn't paying because they're going elsewhere. Yeah, they'll change their minds pretty quick. So, um, and, so and, let me let me ask you about some more of your personal experiences with your practice and healing, and working with doctors because you you've had a very positive experience overall, I would say. But did you ever have one that wasn't so positive? Yes. Not with surgeons, because, you know, the surgeons that I've worked with are just, like, at the top of their game. Nobody's going to say anything to them about anything. But I yeah. have, yeah, right. I've, had, I've had, yeah, it's this situation, like, up with other members on the team. Yeah, they don't want me there. They don't know what I'm doing. But I just managed to to go through all this and take things on the chin, really, because I get it about the patient, you know, they need, I would just like, that person needs me. I don't care what you say. I'm sticking with them because I know they're terrified. The people that have given me um, um, 
you know, grief in any way, shape, or form. To me, they're not connecting to the patient. They're just in their own head. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of ego. Believe me, it's like, the, you know, these people are so smart um, in, in their minds. And the medical geniuses, I can't even believe. Like, I saw recently um, Dr. Feldman was speaking to the hospital um, staff. They have a thing at Montefiore where uh, it's Friday mornings with some doctor. And I, you know, I know him. I've been in the operating room with him time after time after time after time. And he's teaching. But I'm busy. You know what I'm saying? So I know that he knows a lot of things. But to hear, like, the how much he does know, and he was, like, talking so fast and talking about all these different procedures and all this different information that's so technical and, and scientific and, you know, medical I, I, I thought my jaw was really actually dropped to hear all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's they are geniuses, a lot of them, and it doesn't necessarily translate to a bedside manner either. It's they're good at what they do. Right. So, but I was just wondering. I mean, I'm I'm sure you've had encountered other people in the operating room, not surgeons that resent your presence but again like you said you're there for the patient you're not there to do a song and dance for these people you're there to take care of that patient in a different way so that's mm-hmm. what you do now when you did the um the patient for the heart surgery the first one and were you sitting at her head the whole time or did they have yes. to move to just you just sat there the whole time wow okay yeah yes i did I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a long five hours. Yeah, it is. It's a lot. It is. But then, you know, it's like you go into the Reiki zone, too, and then it's kind of like being on vacation a little bit in the middle of a a, a really intense scene. Um, I don't know. It's really almost like, wow. It's, it's a <laughs> lot. It really is. And I can't it say is. that every doctor was really nice to me either because some of them have not been. But it's not the lead surgeon. It's like another, you know, part. I mean, there are teams of surgeons that come right. in to do a surgery. Right. It's not just yeah. the, the lead one. But the, nobody wants to upset the lead doctor, you know, the lead surgeon. <laughs> That's, the, That's right. the main person in the whole universe in this room. Yeah. Yeah, keeping the patient alive. And, yeah, it's... Uh... It is a team. Of course, you have the anesthesiologist there and, and other things going on at the same time, especially when it's a big surgery like open heart. That's just huge. But, my goodness, what an exciting life. I mean, from an actress to a healer to this level of medical Reiki, it's so exciting. And you have your son involved in this, too, you said. Yes. He um, he was very instrumental in starting all this. He sort of like stepped back from it now because he has other interests that have called to him. And we're all doing our own thing. You know, it's like I don't put any pressure on anybody to follow me or, you know, to me, I always say it's not about me, it's about it. Are you, mm-hmm. is this what calls to your passion um, or not? It doesn't matter. It can even shift. But I wanted to talk, talk about anesthesia there's a book called um, Counting Backwards, and it's written by a doctor of anesthesia. I'm sorry, doctor, that I can't say your name, but it's like a hard name to say. 
um, uh-huh. but counting backwards. And he talks about how um, nobody, it's, it's kind of like this medical reiki is going to fall into the same category in a way as anesthesia. They do, after all these years, they do not know why anesthesia works. And that's he right. Says, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It they is. don't know. And he even says in the book, he says, in a lot of ways, I'm just a faith healer. Well, how about that? A yeah. faith healer. Anesthesia. Yeah. That, that's an, an excellent way to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was very surprised and to the, learn that, that they didn't know how yeah. anesthesia worked. After all this, and they use it every single day, but they don't know how yep. it works. Exactly. So exactly. I'm just looking it up, this book that you just mentioned, Counting Backwards. It sounds fascinating. A Doctor's Notes on Anesthesia is the name of it, and I'm just looking for his name, too. Let's see what it says. But, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that he said that. So you guys are really two faith healers together. <laughs> Henry J., and yeah. it is a strange name, Prisibolo, it looks like. Yeah. M.D. Um Yeah. Not all anesthesia is ever happy about having Reiki in the operating room. I'll just say that. Yeah, I bet. It's like, whoa, it's like, really? Because guess what? Anesthesia, they're in, in, that's what they call it in the hospital. That Nobody ever says anesthesiologist or anesthesiologist. They don't even say that word in, in England. I can't even say the way they say it. Anesthetist. <laughs> I can't say it with my mouth. Don't do that. But anyway... I just call it anesthesia. Is, has anesthesia been in? How many times have I heard that in pre-op, you know? Yeah. Because when anesthesia comes in to pre-op, that's the last round of questions, and then you're pretty close to going to surgery after that. So if the lead surgeon comes in and or anybody has anesthesia been in, that means, if the, well, it means a lot of things. But anyway, yeah, anesthesia is a really big deal. Yeah, it's, it is. That's the person that's keeping the patient alive and right. unconscious and hopefully at the same out of time. Pain. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that you did a a surgery with your son. You both did a tag team with it because it was particularly long. I think you said 14 hours. What kind of surgery was yeah. that that took 14 hours? Well, I have to take a breath on this. It's called a flap. And it's um, a surgery when a woman is going to have a a mastectomy, meaning not a bilateral mastectomy, just one side usually. I've never seen it um, when it's both. But then they, um, so there's two major surgeries going on at the same time. There's the mastectomy and then there's the, um, the plastic surgeon is there at the same time as the breast cancer surgeon. And they, at least in America, and, and what I've seen. I can't say that this is how it goes in other countries because I've heard it a different way, like in England, um, for mm-hmm. example. I have a friend who went through this. And so the, um, so there's a second surgery going on with a plastic surgeon that's doing all this stuff with the stomach and doing all this really intricate um, microsurgery. You know, they're, like, um, removing um, fat and tissue from the stomach, and they're going to build the breast. Oh, very. Oh, it sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? It sounds like a great idea, but does it work? Um, 
I cannot say anything medical because I'm not able to. I just know that um, it, can, it can be a lot to recover from. Let's just say mm-hmm. that. It's a yeah. lot to recover from because a person just got two major surgeries. Right. And there's a lot. It's a, it can be really a lot to recover from. Um, and and so it is. You know, um, I don't want to say, I, I don't want to talk about it. It's really too upsetting to me to talk about that flat thing. Okay. Um, my, that's why I needed my son there because I had, it was going to take all this time. So the plastic surgeon is like a amazing, I mean, doctor, uh, the first time when I went to surgery with, um, for the heart surgery, there was yeah. a phone call, came into the operating room and doctor, and they, they had a heart. And so Dr. Um, Oz was like, call Mr. Such and so, because after a while people can't leave the hospital because they're too sick. So there was a patient that was about to get the heart. And he's going, we're going right from here into transplant surgery. And so it was like, and then he said, oh, a surgeon has, a heart surgeon has to have the bladder of an elephant. Because like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> like, it's like, whoa. Because um, he, he didn't leave the room. I'm, and now he's going into another surgery. But anyway, I suppose he could like take a break on the way. But he was, it was hilarious to me. But in this case, um, the plastic surgeon was there doing microsurgery from the beginning, and it was because of the microsurgery situation and building the breast that okay. was going to take um, all that's, the 14 that's the hours. That's consuming area. Okay. Yeah, I just couldn't imagine what would take that long of a period of time, but it makes sense the way you just explained it. So, oh, my goodness. Well, this is a wonderful book, and it's so encouraging, too, to, I know, my entire audience here tonight, um, that you work with angels, too, and that you help other people to work with angels. So they, they feel the presence of that and all of the energy that the angels bring with them, which I imagine is, is quite powerful. Yeah, it is, actually. Um it really is. I mean, um, these people do surgery time after time after time. Dr. Feldman has said that um, when medical Reiki is in the operating room, everybody gets to remember why they went to medical school in the first place. They all wanted oh. to be healers, and they get to remember oh, it. Oh, nice. Oh, what a beautiful mm-hmm. thing to say. Gosh, mm-hmm. that's wonderful. Yeah. So so do, do you have another yeah. book on the horizon? Raven, or is this it for now? I think this is it for now because, I, you know, this took everything. This is my life's work so far, and I, I don't know. I just want this book to, like, fly into the world and spread everywhere and bring blessings because uh, what, going back to what uh, we were saying before about, you know, that the human race needs to transform the angels have told me that us doing this work and bringing this into medicine, the revered medical in, um, reality of so much respect and the white coats and everything else and everybody revering the doctors, well, all, so many people are sick, and if everybody comes in and gets medical Reiki, it's going to transform humanity because it's bringing um, divine energy into time-space, meaning here and now, you know, through bringing it into an operating room, into a a person's body, into the whole reality of everything. And Reiki changes the vibration in the whole operating room and then everybody sells and it's like big. 
So I don't know. I just keep going forward, even on the days where I think, what am I doing? It's just too much trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never give up. (laughs) Well, well, that's what this is going to take, is somebody like you who is very persistent and passionate about what you're doing and what you're offering to the world. And this is a whole change in consciousness. It's not just offering people comfort. It's a change in consciousness. So it's wonderful right. that but you're doing this. it takes all of us. It's not about me. I'm like, I'm, I always say, I'm like the point on the nail that's going to build the building or a bridge or something. I'm the point on the first nail, and Dr. Feldman is the, um, right with me there. Like, we're the, we're the point. And then it's like, but we need the whole nail. It's like, this cannot be, I cannot do this alone. Those days are gone. There's no, I'm not a martyr. I'm not a, I'm like, I'm nothing. I'm no guru. I'm no nothing. I'm just a woman who's decided. I've been given this job and I haven't backed down. I have not backed down. And I'm really proud of myself for that because it would have been a lot easier to not do any of this, really. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Good for you, Raven. Really good for you. I want everybody to come with me, though. You know, it's yeah. like, do you believe, like, are you a Reiki master? And that's one of the things that gets, are you a Reiki master? You know, it's like, <laughs> are you? It's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> right. Well, look, even Tom joined. tonight, coming, coming on the show and talking about this, you re-inspired PK, who had to leave a little bit early tonight, but she's now all inspired again to get back into her practice. So, you know, one person at a time, and I'm sure you reached a lot of other people in the audience tonight because I had a lot of questions, as I mentioned, about training. So this has been great, Raven. Congratulations on on so much of what you're doing. It's just so powerful, so useful, so helpful to all of us. And the name of the book, again, everybody, is Medical Race. A groundbreaking approach to using energy medicine for challenging treatments. It's just great, Raven, what you're doing. And I can't thank you enough for being on the show with us tonight. Thank you so much. Please keep us posted. We're going to be visiting your your website, see what else is coming down the pike with you. So thank you. Thank you so much, Patricia. My love to PK. And um, thank you so much for, for allowing me to be with you Supernatural girls. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. Well, we love it, too, because we get to meet wonderful people like you who are leading us to a better way of life. So thank you again. Next week, everybody, we'll be back with another great show. And until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls. Oh,